Hi everyone, welcome to the It's Growing Season podcast. I'm your host Maggie and this series will be about all things related to real growth, true health and wellness, and learning to love and care for yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope this podcast inspires you to invest in yourself more and to never stop growing into the best version of you. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the It's Growing Season podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 51, where I have a conversation with intuitive counselor and spiritual guide, Victoria Shaw. We dive into a conversation about soulmates and soul relationships. We talk about the misconceptions about soulmates, why we are drawn to particular souls, and listening to our intuition. We also discuss dating apps, long-distance relationships, and how we can learn to be okay with being alone. This is such a beautiful conversation, you guys. I am genuinely so excited for all you guys to hear this. Victoria just gives off such beautiful energy. She's so comforting. And honestly, I just learned so, so much from this conversation. And I'm very excited for all of you guys to gain some insight into soulmates and soul relationships as well. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you could leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcast. And as usual, you can find all of Victoria's links in the show notes below. So yeah, without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this episode and let's dive right into the show. Hi, Victoria. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, Before we dive into it, I would love if you could introduce yourself a little bit so the listeners can get to know you first. Absolutely. Um, My name is Victoria Shaw and I'm an intuitive counselor. And my work basically combines my training and background in psychology and counseling with my intuitive gifts. And for me, the way that I understand intuition, and it's something that we all have, I've just worked really hard to develop mine. But it's really our reconnection back to our deepest and truest knowing. And it's my belief that we are all primarily, first and foremost, spiritual beings that we're having a human experience right now. When we have that human experience, we forget all the stuff that our soul knows, you know, innately. We, we, we choose to forget that when we come to earth so that we can learn it again. And your intuition is that remembering. It's that direct line to your soul. Or sometimes I like to use the expression spiritual GPS system. And it keeps you connected. And so I see my work, first of all, as helping people reconnect and stay connected Um, with whatever they're going through in their lifetime. I often can receive guidance for them to sort of reconnect to that broader perspective. And then secondly, I like to help people get their own connection so that they don't need me at all. And we all have it. So it's just a matter of learning to flow with it. Wow. That's me. I love it. And I'm curious to learn how your spiritual journey started and how that eventually led you to becoming an intuitive counselor. That's a great question. So for me, I was always fascinated by the mind, by the brain, by how we think these big kind of spiritual, well, I didn't think of them as spiritual at the time, but the big philosophical questions like what is consciousness? What's the relationship between mind and matter? Like these things actually really rocked my world. And because of that, I ended up pursuing a PhD in psychology and uh, was studying memory and reasoning. And the further along I got on that path for me, 
the more I lost my passion because it was a very kind of reductionistic approach. And though I was good at it and I liked it, I didn't get to ask those big questions. And, and so I took some time off and I started my family and, but I kept having this feeling like there was something I was supposed to be doing and I didn't know what it was, um, but the feeling didn't go away. And it took me a while and it took me on a really nice journey with my kids where uh, they were struggling and, and I was getting exposed to all these people doing these weird like intuition and energy healing. And even acupuncture was out of the box for me back then. And as I started to explore these things for my kids and then for myself, and I started to recognize that they actually really worked, it opened up this whole new world for me, this whole new world of spirituality and intuition, because I wasn't raised with any of that stuff. And the other thing that people kept saying was they're like, you're so intuitive, you're so intuitive, you need to do something with it. And after a while, I started to listen. And the moment I made that decision to reconnect with my intuition, everything about my life changed and the path became very clear and I continue to follow it. Wow. And what does it mean to be intuitive and how do we reconnect with our intuition? Because everyone has it, but how are some people's more strong than others? Right. So I have yet to meet a person on earth um, and maybe one of your listeners will challenge me, but I don't think so. I've yet to meet a person who hasn't at least one time in their life and usually many, many times had an experience where they knew something. They didn't know how they knew it. There was no ex explanation for how they knew it. And yet they were a hundred percent correct. Right. And that's your intuition at work. And it works differently for everybody. Sometimes it's a feeling of knowing like deep in your bones. Sometimes someone says something to you and you're just like, it's exactly what you needed to hear at the right time. I consider that as intuition. Sometimes it's a feeling in your body, right? We get those gut feelings. Sometimes like a constricted feeling when something's not really resonating or an expansive feeling when you're like, I got to do this. Um, sometimes it's a still quiet voice in your head that's, you know, giving you information, but we all have it. Everyone has it. And I do think some people have it more readily than others. And for some of us, those intuitive gifts even border on psychic experiences, which is the case for me but everybody has intuition and, and it's available to everyone. And, you know, you can choose to develop it as, as little or as much as you need to, to uh, navigate your life. Mm, wow. And I'd love to relate this to some of the work that I understand that you do and helping people specifically on relationships. And today I want to talk to you specifically about soulmates. You know, what are soulmates and the common misconceptions with soulmates, especially, you know, with the media and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so before we launch into that, I want to clarify where I get my information because it's kind of important. I don't get my information from books. I don't get my information from the media. I get my information directly from my spirit, from my soul and what I consider to be my spirit guides. And I believe we all have guidance that helps us again, make that reconnection to our deepest knowing. So that's where I get my information. And in that process, I've been shown different ways of understanding what it means to be a soulmate. And I think in the human world, we often think about, you know, many of us, when we come to earth, we have this deep longing, right? We remember on, you know, that distant level, what it was like to be in spirit form and in spirit form, we're all connected. Even if you are, have your own sort of personality or perspective, you feel this deep sense of connectedness all the time, because that's, that's what we actually are. We're all made of the same stuff. Mm 
But when we come to earth, we often feel very alone and disconnected. And we don't always remember and appreciate the interconnectedness between all things. And so I think a lot of times on earth, we're often looking for another human being, or sometimes it's a human being, sometimes it's an experience. There can be lots of things, but oftentimes it's another human being to complete us, right? And to make us feel whole again. But we're already whole inside. And oftentimes the people that we attract into our lives, you know, are meant to augment when when you have a really good relationship, it's actually augmenting. It's actually helping you to see the magic within you. They're not completing you at all. Rather, they're just shining the mirror back, you know, on your own loving nature. They're shining that back at you and, and magnifying it. And those are the best kind of relationships. But I think oftentimes people seek a soulmate or a partner because they feel that that longing, that loneliness, that disconnection. And we've also been taught that by our world, right? We've been taught that, you know, I remember when I was your age and I was pursuing a PhD in an Ivy League. But because I was, you know, in a female body, many of the people to me would say things like, well, are you dating? You know, and I'd be like, um, but did you notice I'm getting a PhD? You know, isn't this valuable and important? But, you know, society, and I think things are changing. But at that point, there was such a strong pressure for me as a female at, you know, 26. When are you going to date? When are you going to get married? When is that going to happen? And so I think we, we, we come up against that too. There's just a lot of idea in society that everyone has one person, that they have to find that one person, that they have to mate for life, and that that will bring happiness. And it, it doesn't, it's, first of all, I don't think that's the only way to go. But also, if you look around, how's that myth working out for most people? Are most people happy? Some people are. But it definitely is not the case for everyone that that solves all of the world's problems. Mm. So would you say that there are multiple soulmates in our lives? Yes, absolutely. So the way that I understand soulmates is, again, we're all primarily spiritual beings. And when we come to earth, we come for our learning, growth, and enjoyment. And we, and then on the other side, we have our soulmates. We have our soul pod or our soul tribe. And these are people that we are consistently, sometimes the term soul group is used. These are beings or souls that we're consistently learning our lessons with over different lifetimes. Cause I believe we don't just do this one time. And so a soulmate is really just any kind of soul connection, someone that you might recognize from the other side, someone that you have agreed to ha- play a major role in your life. So it could be a partner, a child, a friend, a teacher, um, a doctor, right? Uh, someone you meet on a podcast. Like it could be any of those things. It could also be, and this is where the mind gets a little bit, you know, questiony, but it can also be someone that's agreed to play a role in your life that's not so pleasant. It could be, you know, someone that you would think of as your enemy or someone that you didn't play nicely with, but who came into your life at a certain point to ruffle your feathers a little bit and to teach you a lesson that way and not teach you a lesson in a punishment way. I don't believe that karma is punishment, but rather we have life experiences so that we can learn and grow. And sometimes our soulmates are the ones that we feel most comfortable with allowing to push those buttons and ruffle those feathers for our growing. And um, so that can happen as well. Mm. So relating this to intuition is our ability to sense whether someone is a soulmate, whether that be romantically or, you know, in a friendship type of way, or even if it's someone who we perceive as an enemy, do you think that's, how is that related to our intuition? That's a really, really amazing question. 
So first of all, I think most people don't live in a place where they're even thinking about soulmates this way, or they're even really tuned in that much their intuition, but you can be for sure. And, you know, sometimes your intuition will guide you right to the people that you need to know. My husband, when I met him on our second date, I knew I was going to marry him. I knew he was the one. It was not in my mind. And after that experience where I really thought I was losing my mind, but I knew it so strongly, you know, I was doing all the things that you normally do at the beginning of a relationship. Maybe we should date other people. Maybe this is going too fast. Like we, you know, we, we've been married for 26 years, but, but I knew, and I know hundred percent that was my intuition. I've also worked with people that say to me, I knew, I knew, I knew, and I was drawn to this person. Why did they turn out to be so abusive? Because again, sometimes we're drawn to people like a moth to a flame, right? It can be our unresolved stuff. That's not our intuition at all, but sometimes too, there can be that deep soul connection and you're drawn in a certain direction. That does not mean that you have to stay with someone. I've had experiences where I've drawn someone into my life for the sole purpose of recognizing that I can let them go. So just because someone's a soulmate does not mean everything's going to be perfect. And also relationships change. So just because someone is the right person for you to spend your life with for the first 26 years doesn't mean that, you know, you have to, you have to go all in for the next 25, right? Because humans change and grow over the course of the lifespan. Our needs change, our perspective changes. And as we grow, sometimes our relationships grow with us and sometimes they do not. And so I think the real understanding of soulmates and just navigating romantic relationships in general is learning to let go of all the societal teachings about what's right or wrong, and then use your intuition to figure out truly and completely what feels right to you. And, you know, that can be a very different thing. And that can sometimes be a surprising thing that can sometimes be, you know, maybe I don't want a life partner right now, or maybe I want, you know, not to get too out there. Maybe I want to like, you know, there's a lot of permutations that human beings don't consider. Okay. Right. Um, but you know, and it's not always that out there for everyone, but again, as you learn to kind of connect with that intuition, it will show you, it will guide you, but it often will surprise you because it's not always what we've been taught to think. Mm. So you were talking about how you will attract soulmates and what is it about ourselves and that period of our life that causes us to attract certain people? Because from what I understand, um, and also with the law of attraction, you attract basically the vibrational frequency of your being. So how does that work in the romantic setting? Oh, that's a great question. First of all, I truly believe if you are meant to have a connection with someone, and I do believe our souls plan our lifetimes to a certain extent before we're born. So certain things are, you always have free will and the plan can always change. And the plan is based on probabilities. So it's not set in stone, but your soul has a pretty good idea how things are going to go down. At least the major challenges and the major people in your life, you know, who your parents are going to be before you hop in a body, you know, who oftentimes who your kids are going to be. So the big stuff, and, and sometimes your major romantic partners, that information is given in advance um, or planned in advance. And of course, we always have free will. So in those cases, I really believe it's sort of hard to you know, get too much in your own way and not walk, into, not walk through those doors that are meant to be there. Um, again, we have free will and sometimes we, we don't, but it's very unlikely because your soul has planned it in such a way that you will most likely make those connections. And like, for me, like in the moment that I made that connection, I knew, and, you know, a lot of people will say that about those really prime, there was just something about them. I just knew, I just felt drawn. 
right? We also sometimes will, and, and, and these two things are not mutually exclusive, by the way, because when your soul plans your lifetime, they know all about the law of attraction because that is the major rule of how everything works. So they know how your energy is most likely going to be vibing and how these things are going to line up. And the law of attraction is not the way I see like a, a great tool that we can use to like, you know, control life. It's about understanding that that's actually how life works and how can we become a little bit more conscious and how we play with those forces of life that are already at work. Okay. Just wanted to put that out there. But we also sometimes do will attract certain relationships because of unresolved pains right? If you don't feel like you have a voice and you don't feel like I can stand up for myself, I might keep attracting relationships with people that overpower me and, and where I don't feel like I can speak to them until I learn to stand in my own truth, right? Sometimes people have a series of abusive relationships too, because maybe their first early relationship was abusive and then they just keep attracting that again and again into their world until they learn the lesson of that relationship. Okay. And every one of those souls could be soulmates, by the way, but that doesn't mean you have to stay with them forever, right? If someone's abusive to you, you can absolutely 100% walk away. And that's, that would probably be the highest course of action. Mm. And if, if a lot of these soul relationships are already predetermined, you said like the main big ones, Mm -hmm. what do you think about actively searching for them? Or should we kind of just sit back and be passive? I love that question so much. That (laughs) is such a good question because oftentimes we do, we search for that soulmate and we feel like there's something wrong with us if we don't find the one. And I would say sometimes that searching can block us, Mm. right? Because that searching, if you look at it from the law of attraction standpoint, that searching is focusing on what's missing. It's focusing on that longing. It's focusing on lack. And sometimes that can actually make it harder for us to attract in what we seek. Okay. That doesn't mean you have to be totally passive. If you, if you're like, want to start dating and you, you know, maybe don't sit in your room under your mattress on Saturday night, every Saturday night waiting for, you know, the pizza delivery guy to be the one. I mean, he could be, and that would be amazing, but you know, getting out there talking to friends, like, you know, there, there are actions that you can take absolutely in anything that you want to bring into your life. You don't have to just passively wait for, you know, Prince Charming to drop from the sky. But I do think that searching that longing can sometimes work against us. What you can do though, is set an intention. And intention is a little bit different. Intention is like, wow, I'm feeling into this. I'm really feeling ready now to maybe bring someone, bring a new partner into my life. And then you can kind of feel into it and you can feel into, does that feel right? Because I love to set intentions that come from intuition, right? Where it's just like, wow, I'm feeling this longing. I'm feeling into it. I'd really like this. And then I almost imagine just letting it go. And then that intu- that intention rather will keep showing you the next steps on the path. So it's sort of a loose form of planning where you feel into what you want and you kind of release it, but you don't micromanage it. And you don't feel like you have to figure everything out. Mm. So setting an intention is coming from a place of fullness rather than, you know, being so anxious and not having someone and going on this active search from a place of lack and trying to fill that void within you. Like that's just, that's not going to attract someone that is full within themselves because your, your being is coming from a place of lack. So setting an intention would be 
a way to attract someone from a place of fullness? It can help. Yeah. Now, first of all, we all have various facets to our personality. So sometimes there can be a longing and we can feel lonely and there's enough in our energy that really does experience self-love and does have a belief that we can attract a loving person into our life and that person will show up. So it's not, it's not like either, or it's just, it has to do with like the sum total of your energy and, and a lot of other factors as well. But yeah, setting the intention is sort of like, I have this idea and I, I, you know, I have this longing, I have this feeling, I have this excitement and I'm going to start to put out the idea of it and then see how the universe supports me in that. And the universe always will. And remember too, sometimes people have planned lifetimes where they maybe don't have one romantic partner and maybe they're, that's what they're learning. They're learning about how do I stand in myself and how do I feel comfortable not being paired? How do I navigate a world where most people are partnered? Right. And how do I stand in my truth if my truth is different than everybody else? How do I have a sense of self worth without a partner? So we can learn a lot from being single. Right. Some people also don't really want to be partnered. Maybe they looked at their parents and, and that relationship. Maybe they felt that their mother was overpowered by their father or their father was overpowered by their mother or, you know, a myriad of things. And they think, wow, I'm not, I'm not really sure I'm comfortable to be in a relationship. And then they can shut down any relationship. Right. And so sometimes feeling into those things can free us up to create a different kind of relationship than we experienced as children. Mm. Right. So there's, so there's not a one size fits all answer. Um, but the good news about life is we're always learning. Right. And we do have our soulmates to, to uh, support us in many different ways. And we also have our spiritual support team with us. So wherever you're at right now is exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And how do we begin to love ourselves and fill our own cup so that so we can feel whole within ourselves and not need someone else to kind of complete us? Because I believe that that is one of the biggest misconceptions with soulmates. You find that you're searching for someone to make you complete when in reality you are already whole. You said that so beautifully and so wisely. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, it's knowing that because it's true. And then second of all, loving yourself through the part that doesn't know it and being kind and loving and understanding of that part, because that part's the part that's been out in the world that's learned that, you know, I can't be whole or complete until I have somebody else in my world. Right. And so it's really all about that. It's about loving yourself through it, being kind to yourself, owning all of the feelings, and then also recognizing that deeper knowing that I already am complete. Right. And that the person or people that I want to bring into my life are people that are going to augment and, and grow from that great well of self-love that I already have within me. And then you will not only attract those people in, um, but you will, you will really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's so crazy how most people are paired. And why is it that that's the norm now? Like, why is it that people... I don't know. When you said that earlier, it made me think like, wow, it really is true that most people in this world, you know, want to get paired up with another person, but it's, it's quite rare for people to want to be alone. Yeah. And again, even if you're not in a 
two-person romantic relationship, you're not necessarily alone, right? I mean, we have like different levels of support. And again, it's a societal idea that you need one romantic partner to be complete. Um, But I know many people that are not in that situation and are not alone at all. So that's the first thing they have, you know, many different layers of support in many. And I know people that, you know, they're, they really wouldn't be, you know, they're serial monogamists too, or maybe not even monogamists, if I can say that word. I'm <laughs> tripping over my tongue today. But right, they've they're they're people that I have a friend and and she just isn't satisfied very long, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think she just craves change and different experiences. And so you know, society may say, oh, but you need to be married to one person for this many years. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think a lot of our institutions around marriage and partnership came from, you know, economic necessity, right? And it's less so now, but over history and over time, the society was structured in a certain way, um, you know, for economic necessity and, and, you know, it wasn't really romantic pairings. Wasn't really the thing so much. It was more about let's reproduce and let's figure out who's got the land and let's figure out, you know, everyone's place and everything. So I think that's a big piece of it too. I think my guidance is that the sort of romantic thing is, is much more 20th century, but of course, love has always been a thing, right? And we always feel these deep longings and love for people, but I think oftentimes marriages in other in past times were not love matches at all. Right. If that makes sense. Um, but you're asking a deeper question that my spirit guys want to answer for you. So I'm going to take a couple seconds and tune into that. So hold on. It's so interesting because you're almost asking this philosophical question about why are there men and women and why do why do they pair up? And it's so cool. And if you think about like the yin and the yang, if you are familiar at all with Taoism. Right. There are these two energies. There are these two archetypes. And there is, and of course, we do also recreate and recreate, procreate. That's the word. So there is that affinity between men and women. And again, women and women, women and men. I am open to all permutations. But I do think that for many humans, just the way that the world has been structured, there is that that pull towards partnership. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you said earlier that as of the, the 21st century, there's less of a concern with economic, you know, stability with partnerships, and there's often like a more um, a more emotional reason that people connect. And what are your thoughts on partners who are not on that spiritual journey, or like, would you consider like, would you? be okay with that type of connection? Or would you feel like you could be able to make them more spiritual? I don't know how to properly word this, but I hope you understand. what. Uh, yeah, I'm no, I know what you're saying. Um, yeah. And I would say the 21st century is going to be about freedom. I feel like that's what we're moving into freedom. So freedom of choices, freedom of perspectives, new ways of doing things. That's, that's where I think that we're heading rather than this is the way it's always done do it this way or do it that way. But if you do it that way, you know, that's a hard life. I think now we're, we're really looking at a multitude of choices and, and just a lot more freedom. And, you know, I think that's the direction we're heading in. And that's the direction that your soul vibes in your soul vibes, you know, very high at the level of freedom. So I think that's where we're heading, but to your other question, 
do you, what if you seek out a partner that's not as on the same level as you on their spiritual journey or not into the whole spiritual journey? Listen, everyone's on a spiritual journey, whether you recognize it or not, you are the way I understand it at least. And, you know, feel free to disagree. But the way that I understand it is we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. So whether you have that spiritual perspective or not, you're already on a spiritual journey. It's unavoidable. Okay. So the question you're really asking is, I'm really into this stuff. Does my partner have to be too? And the answer is it depends because there's many different facets and factors of what makes people compatible. And some people can be very deeply spiritual, but not really interested in talking about or thinking about it at all. But it's like my grandfather was like that. You know, he just was a very wise soul. And, you know, I don't remember having, well, maybe I do, but deep philosophical conversations about the meaning of life with him, but just being around him, he was just a deeply philosophical soul and you felt it and you knew it. And he was also a very simple soul or simple man, not a simple soul, but right. So, so there's that. There is sometimes the case when people are not at the same level. I mean, usually we attract in soulmates, people that are at the same level in their personal, human, and spiritual journey, right? And because we we learn with people, it's just like when you're going to school, right? Typically, you group people at about the same, same level, right? If you're learning arithmetic, basic, you know, adding numbers, and someone else is learning algebra, you're not going to really be very useful to be in the same classroom, Right. And so usually we attract in soulmates and our soul tribe, soul group, however you want to put it, that are at a similar level. Right. Sometimes you might have people that are a little bit below us or even a lot below us if our job is to help them or to learn from the disparity. And sometimes we have people that are above us and their job is to help us. But usually it's somewhere in the range. And so it can happen sometimes that, you know, but I would say to answer your question, I don't even think that we really attract in very often people that are not at or near our level. And you're going to attract someone who's at the right level for you. However, if your greatest joy is sitting around discussing stuff like this and your partner thinks it's wacky, I mean, that that could be a problem, right? That could be a deal breaker, right? So you like, so, you know, you have to figure that out. And I would also say that people grow at different paces. So you know, I see a lot of people as they grow relationships that used to be very satisfying to them before change and shift and maybe don't, you know, meet their needs in the same way anymore because they've grown and the partner hasn't kept pace with that. And there's nothing wrong with the partner and there's nothing wrong with the person who's growing. It's just, you know, just like you all start off at the same level of math, right? But then some people just really get it. And other people like to learn a little bit more slowly. And once in our society, we would say one's better than the other, but in the spirit world, there's no comparisons. We're just all doing things in our own way and we all have our own path. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, as we grow, the people around us don't keep pace. Mm, I love that perspective, how we're all going through life at our own pace. And if this person who you deemed as your soulmate, kind of you guys grew into two separate paths, I think that would be the perfect opportunity to practice non-attachment, right? And to not attach yourself to this person and you kind of just let life be because you'll probably already learn the lesson that you were supposed to learn with this person and it's time for you to move on. Very wise. And yes, absolutely. Exactly. And sometimes our human selves cling a little bit and that's okay. 
but yeah. And again, what you said is so important because we're really here to learn lessons and to grow. And so once you have had that experience, it's fine to move on. It's fine to move on. And, you know, sometimes again, human, you know, rules will say, well, you have to stay with someone forever, you know, be kind, you know, don't look someone in the eye. I learned everything I have to learn from you. And now I think you're trash. Like, you know, <laughs> that means you have not learned everything that you needed to learn. And you are very much still have some, some kindness would be a, a good one to start with. <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely what you said. It's a hundred percent. And I have a question from a listener, a, a more specific question about how to tell the difference between, you know, whether the problems that arise from a relationship are problems that you should try to work through to try to make the relationship stronger, or if those problems are actually red flags for you to reconsider the relationship. All right. That's a great question, but it's not really a general one because it's (laughs) going to be different for everyone. I would love to feel into that person. Um, and she knows that it's red flags. Um, but I, but let me go, well, that's a little bit of both actually. That's a long, that's a long answer, but let me try to answer the general question. Cause it's a really good question. First of all, this is where your intuition comes in. And oftentimes you can feel into that. Usually our minds are going to cloudy the water, but you'll know when you're, when you're done, sometimes we have attachment issues, which make us either more reluctant to grab on to people when they're not really serving us or more likely to repel people because we don't have, we don't trust them. So it's good to know your own landscape, your own history. And without identifying it or telling yourself a story about yourself, just, you know, a a little bit of insight to sort of know your MO up until now, because it can change at any time can sort of help you figure out, you know, those triggers, right. And the triggers can either be like, everything's a problem right? Because I don't want to get hurt or nothing's a problem because I'm going to make the best out of everything. And I'm overgeneralizing, but you get the idea. And then beyond that is also red flag things. And we all have our own red flags, but some basic ones are, is this person treating you kindly? Is this person treating you with respect? Do you feel happier in this relationship than you feel unhappy, right? Because a lot of times we'll stay in a relationship for like 1% of good and 99% of, oh my God, this is ripping my guts out because we're chasing that 1%, right? That's silly sauce. Go for, <laughs> go for at least I'd say on average 75%. And if you can get 85, you know, 90, I mean, nothing is perfect. We are all human beings, but again, you want to look at that balance. If you're miserable most of the time and the relationship is just torture in your head, right? Even if the, the, even if you're that person who the issues on your end, go work on that issue, right? <laughs> and then, then go back and, and have relationships. Does that, I hope that answers the question. It's a yeah. great question. Yeah. So a lot of it just comes down to your intuition, right? Knowing yeah. what is right and wrong. The answer is already within you. Yeah. But a lot of the times attachment is what kind of keeps us stuck in that loop of not trusting our intuition. Yes. And I'm curious, what are some ways in which we can practice or start practicing non-attachment in just trusting that the relationships that are meant to be for us will come? And when it's time to you know, move on, that is when you know, it's supposed to end. 
All right. I'm going to feel into that question because I want to answer it specifically for you, but you didn't ask me to do that. So <laughs> I want to, I want to be um, uh, respectful. Look, I mean, practicing non-attachment simply means that we accept that how life is happening now is how it's supposed to be. And now is just now. It's just whatever is happening now, which you can't change, right? Because that's what's actually happening. Our minds will try to resist and change whatever's happening now, but good luck with that. It just makes you like frustrated, right? Surrender or non-attachment doesn't mean that you don't have preferences, that you don't have desires, you don't have wishes because you're human. And of course, you're going to have those. Okay. And sometimes those are even the ones coming from your soul, guiding you and showing you like what excites you, what brings you joy. Your spirit actually wants you to have joy. Like there's nothing wrong with that. That is actually ultimately what we're here to do. And following and flowing with that is magical. Um, but first you also have to recognize to make peace with whatever's happening now. And sometimes too, we tell ourselves stories. We say like, oh, this isn't happening for me because I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm trying too hard. I'm too attached. That's why I can't find someone because I'm too attached to the idea of having someone. Right. Ah, and so, you know, practicing non-attachment or surrender is really about being with yourself wherever you are now and being kind to yourself and being kind to the situation, right? And loving yourself through whatever's going on right now. And if you can't love yourself, then love the part of you that's resistant to loving yourself. See, because you can always mm -hmm. find that spot. So that's the way that I see it. And I would say too, more specifically, sometimes, and I think this is especially common of, of younger people, but it can happen at all ages. Sometimes we judge our whole life by the present moment right? Or a series of moments, right? So we say, this isn't happening now. It will never happen. And um, I see that a lot in the pandemic. I have a 22-year-old who's in the next room. It's going to be really mad if he finds out I'm talking about him. <laughs> but, you know, having just graduated into, you know, all this craziness and thinking, wow, I didn't have a job the day I graduated from college. I'm, you know, my adult life is ruined. It's not. He's fine. He's got one now. But, um, right. But sometimes we feel that way and it, it's not just ages because, uh, you know, we can all get lost in, in the pains of what's going on now. So recognizing that what you're feeling, what you're experiencing right now is just what's happening now. Don't make it the story about the rest of eternity. Just hold yourself in what's happening now and know that, you know, better things are, are, are in the pipeline. They're on the way. And that it's really about your orientation to yourself now, but also recognizing that the present moment is not eternal. I mean, it is, but it also isn't. That is <laughs> if that so makes sense. That is so comforting. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. You're very welcome. Um, and I just want to pivot a little bit um, and talk about kind of the modern dating world and the dating apps. What are your thoughts on meeting people virtually? Um, and if it's, you know, because it's so common nowadays to meet people through dating apps. And what are your thoughts on, you know, finding soulmates through there and just like meeting people virtually? That's a really great question. First of all, you know, go with the flow of life. And I think in one way, those dating apps are just another way for people to connect. And I also love it because people connect from a wider audience, right? It used to be you would know your friend group, your school, your job. But I mean, now we, we connect with people everywhere. It's so cool. Even doing this podcast. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I get clients now from all over the world. And so again, that is a 21st century thing, but it's really amazing. 
I would also say that on the dating apps, and this is true in general, but I just think it's it's a little bit more amplified on some of the apps. Like energetically, people will often put their best face forward. And they'll, you know, it's a little bit more ego-based. It, it can be. It's a little bit more like I need to put an image out there that will get other people's attention, that will get people to like me. And so it can sometimes be easy to kind of get lost in the fantasy of who that person wants to be and miss the actual human being or authentic person altogether. Right. So being aware of that in your own profile, being aware of that in other people's profiles. And of course, it's trial and error because as you continue to connect, you know, you'll know what's an authentic connection and who you want to connect with. And again, it's about honoring and valuing yourself. If you get an off vibe, something doesn't feel right, you know, rather than thinking, oh, something's wrong with me, trust yourself in this particular case. Right. And also, the more we put ourselves out there authentically, the more we're going to attract people that want to you know, that are going to do the same. So if you have ideas, you know, my ideal boyfriend needs to make this much money and be this tall and do all these things. It's not that you can't have preferences, you know, if you want to be at a certain level of um, comfort socioeconomically, that's totally fine. But again, if you, if you have like a very solid sort of more ego superficial based checklist and you go in with that, you might still find your soulmate by the way, because you know, the universe is really crafty that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it might be more fun to really figure out what excites you, what, what makes you happy. And then look for the person that, you know, is, is sharing that too. Yeah. I love what you said about putting your genuine self forward, because that's the type of people that you're going to attract. Yes. Those people will actually like you for who you are rather than this constructed version of yourself that you think, you know, you should put out there because that's, what people will like rather than who you truly are. Right. And even if you get the most pings, I don't know how these things work, but <laughs> you get the most pings on your, like if there are a hundred guys ping you and they're all meh, you know, because they're looking for someone who you're not. What's the point, right? So true. That is so true. And what about uh, long distance relationships? What are your thoughts on that? And, you know, how, do you think it works if you're not with this person physically? You know, it's so funny that you're asking these questions because um, they pertain to my life. Um, I think it really, I think it really depends. Look, we are not actually located in space and time on our highest selves because the soul has no space or time. That's a human thing. However, in the human world, there are certain practicalities and, you know, proximity is something that a lot of us really do want. There are other people that want to like a looser relationship where they're totally fine not being together and they love the excitement of just getting together when they can and everything in between. So I think it's not a one size fits all right or wrong kind of thing. I think you have to feel into what works for you. And a lot of people too start off with long distance relationships or have a long distance relationship through a period of time with the intention of eventually being together. And I think that that is, you know, fine too, but I think it really is a personal choice about what works best for you and your partner in the moment. I don't think they're all doomed to fail, but there are challenges. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. Wow. I learned so much. I, <laughs> all of these pertain to my life. And I'm just, yeah, I, I absolutely love this conversation and I have one last question to end the podcast, Sure. but before that. If listeners could take away one lesson from our conversation today, what would you say that would be? All I get is love yourself. Yay. Love yourself. Yeah. 
you are beautiful, you are lovable. And, um, you know, the more that you can remember that, the better. And where you can't remember yourself that, then be kind to yourself. But so often we are looking for experiences out in the world. And that includes other people to, you know, tell us how great we are and tell us we're lovable. And sometimes that happens. And when it does, I'm, I'm not arguing with it. It's lovely to have that validation, but it all starts with you. So the more that you can see the amazingness about yourself, you know, the, the more you're going to enjoy life and the better it's going to be. And you, and you are every single person listening. I promise. Yay. I love that. You just have a way of talking that comforts me so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And for my last question of the podcast, this is something that I ask every guest that comes onto my show. Since my podcast is called It's Growing Season, I believe that just like crops, humans go through different seasons in their life. So I wanted to ask you, how would you define this specific season in your life? The season in my life, well, it's a season of expansion and seed planting and um, transformation because I just um, uprooted my life and moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and uh, by myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So for me, it's really just a big period of of growth. I think that the seeds have been planted and um, they're starting to sprout. <laughs> So I hope that 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 makes sense. Yeah, it does. And for listeners who are curious to learn more about you, where can they find you and where can they find your content? Absolutely. So my website is a great place to start, victoriashawintuitive.com. And there you'll have links to how to work with me, all the things that I do, the classes I offer. I have some online classes. I think I might have to do a soulmates class. That would be so much fun. Yes. Yeah. I also have a podcast. intuitive connection with Victoria Shaw and it's on all the major platforms. And you can also get that through my website. I have a Facebook group intuitive connection community where I do a lot of free teaching and readings and invite all the guests from the show to come so that we can have more interactive Q and A's. And I'm on Instagram at Victoria Shaw intuitive. Thank you so, so much. This was amazing. And I'm so happy that, you know, you took the time to speak with me today and just share your insight and experience. It was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave me a review and give me a follow. And you can also find me on my Instagram at mags.lee and at It's Growing Season, as well as my website, which is growwithmaggie.com. And you'll be able to find all of this in the show notes below. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen. And I hope to see you in a future episode. Bye, everybody.